I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi, all. We're back with another bonus episode today. I hope your summer is off to a great start. I promise we're hard at work on season seven. More on that later. Today, I want to try to get to the bottom of a question I get a lot from a lot of different kinds of people. Are dating apps worth it? Or are they a colossal waste of time? For those who have dating fatigue, those who are sick of swiping on face after face, is it better just to delete the apps or take a break? Maybe it's finally time to do life in real life. I have a lot of answers to this question, depending on who's asking. Sometimes apps are good. I believe this. Sometimes, though, they are very, very bad. But writer and journalist John Berger has a pretty specific opinion on this. He's the author of the books Date-onomics, How Dating Became a Lopsided Numbers Game, and Make Your Move. He's looked at the online dating industry from the perspective of a business writer. He believes that dating apps definitively are not worth it if you're looking for true love. He says that app dating can be a colossal waste of time. So I talked to him about why, because I can't be so sure. We debated this question and tried to figure out some answers. So the rest of you don't have to. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. John, thanks for coming on the show. Meredith, thanks for inviting me. So, uh, you know, you say that, um, you know, women might want to consider not doing this anymore. And this idea of meeting somebody in real life uh, might be better for them. But that's a really hard thing to do. It seems easier said than done. So how easy is it to do when you take that off the table apps? You know, I gave a a talk to a college group at Rollins College in Florida uh, last year. And, you know, I ran through all of the reasons why I don't like online dating from the fact that the breakup rates are higher to the extraordinary safety concerns, especially for, for women. And at the end of the talk, this young woman piped up and said, okay, I get it my experience with dating apps hasn't been so good either, but how the heck am I supposed to meet somebody if not through an app? So I took a chance. I put this, this you know, like 40 kids in this group and I put them into Brady Bunch mode on Zoom. And I said, okay, I want a show of hands and, the, and I'm gonna ask you guys a question. And the question was, how many of you already have somebody you know and like from the real world who's single whom you've ever wondered about dating? 
there were 40 kids in the class and 40 hands went up. And, and now I, I get that, like, if I polled a group of 50-year-olds, it would be a little different. But I, I do ask this question a lot of all age groups. And my sense is that the majority of people have already identified somebody they know and like from the real world who they'd like to date. So my question is, why the heck would you start from zero with a complete stranger on a dating app when there's already somebody you know? I mean, we all know people from the real world whom we like, but I think particularly young singles, their their lack of courage um, and their fear of awkwardness when it comes to all things dating just overwhelms them. And it's almost, you know, it's easier for them to swipe than it is to take a chance with somebody they actually know. I notice among friends and and letter writers to some extent that when they spend some time on a dating app and other time doing other things, one of those things might connect them to a person they enjoy spending time with. So, so CBS Market Watch had a ran a story recently that discussed uh, how much time the average young single is spending per week on the dating app. Do you want to take a guess? I would imagine a lot, but tell me how how bad is it? 20 hours a week. And that doesn't even include the actual dates. So, I mean, to me, yes, like I, I'm not saying it's impossible to meet the love of your life through a dating app. I'm just, just saying it's A, difficult, and we can talk about why it's difficult, but B, God, that's a really crappy use of your time, um, spending 20 hours a week on a dating app um, and not even including actual dates. So, so that that's that's my starting point. And but I, I have many other reasons why I, I don't think this is a good use of time for singles. I want to talk about your research. You mentioned a study conducted at Illinois State University, which found that young men and women who first met face to face were 25 percent more likely to report feelings of closeness as opposed to meeting somebody online. Psychologically, why do you think that is? This is how human beings are wired. I mean, I mean, primates evolved as social animals, and we connect with each other through shared experience. Meredith, do you have a best friend? Many. Okay. But, All right. But, but, you know. Think about your best friend. Uh, how did you How did you meet him or her? We We lived together. Okay. Can you imagine going on bestfriends.com and creating a connection as close as the one that you have with that best friend? No, but it is interesting that so many of the online relationships I've forged, especially with women, have become in real life bonds that I sometimes forget happened online. And I do think that is something and and perhaps there's something gender related there as well. But I I think that that's interesting that the origin story might be different and the timeline of of closeness might be different. I find that people are much more likely to, to, to cut bait with people they met online because they don't have the same investment level in the relationship. So so if you're talking about your best friend who you met in college, I'm guessing for most people, he or she could say a lot of wrong things before you would really kind of cut that person loose. Whereas somebody who maybe, yeah, you, you, you connected with on Instagram and you've developed a friendship, it's it's not the same. And because you don't, Again, human beings evolved as social animals. I mean, there's a reason why, like, if you watch the the funniest comedy show on HBO on your sofa alone, you're never going to laugh as loud as if you're in a comedy club with your friends. And and that's because we 
we we experience things differently together than we do, you know, watching TV or typing out typing on a device. I just want to ask about COVID's effect on all of this too, because you know I, and hopefully we will never return to the absolute like scary moment of early lockdown. And I wonder, is that something you've thought about or heard about or think about? During the low points of COVID, I think online dating improved. People were more willing to cut each other slack and more willing to invest time because people had time. But it doesn't, I mean, while it may have been better during that period of time, you still can't escape the fundamental problem. And that is these relationships don't last as long. So there's a professor at Stanford University uh, who normally, his name is Professor Rosenfeld, normally he's considered very pro-online dating. And in his big study on this, he, he claims that breakup rates are, quote, not much influenced by how couples meet. Now, let's just say that Professor Rosenfeld and I have a very different definition of not much, because if you dig into the appendix in his study and you look at the actual raw data, here's what he found. He found that the one-year breakup rate of couples who meet on the internet or online, through online dating apps is 16%. For those who meet through friends and family, the one-year breakup rate is 9%. Uh, meet as neighbors, it's 8%. Meet as coworkers, six percent. Meet in college, six percent. Meet in a house of worship. The one-year breakup rate is only one percent. So, to me, what this really shows is that while yes, couples are getting together online and sometimes marrying through relationships formed online, they don't know each other as well as they think they do, and this is what's leading to the higher breakup rates. How do we define success when we look at, at this, knowing that some relationships are really great and they're supposed to end? So I think it depends on what you prioritize. I mean, I, I mean, even though I'm married, I don't assume that marriage is for everyone. I don't assume that monogamy is for everyone. Um, and really, my critique of online dating is not um, if all you're looking is for a hookup or for maybe even a platonic friend, um, there are a lot of uses for dating apps that that are great. Um, but I'm guessing, you know, that like, people who buy dating books aren't looking for hookups or platonic friends. And I'm guessing most of the people who write to you aren't looking for hookups or... <laughs> Maybe they are, but but so, but so, okay. some of them like but, it a lot. But but so, maybe they're just yeah, looking to like yeah, no, find no, the next and, one. And I'm, and I'm I, I don't believe you need to be in a relationship to be happy. I don't believe you need to um, to have a life partner to be happy. I mean, I know all sorts of single people who don't prioritize relationships and they're living their lives the way they want to lead them. My point is that if you do prioritize finding a life partner. A partner. I mean, I, I, like, or I, mean, I, I like to say, if you prioritize finding true love, which is kind of a, an old-fashioned way to think about this, um, that these dating apps are not set up with you in mind. And I'd love to talk a little bit about the business model of these dating apps, if you yeah, don't mind. Yeah, please do. I mean, look, please look, do. The, the, Meredith, I'm guessing you've interviewed or know a lot of a lot of conventional matchmakers, right? Yes. Okay. Um, the good ones, I think you'll agree. They don't, repeat business is not baked into their business model. Their goal is to find you the love of your life and never see you again. Um, and they, 
If you go to their their social media, their websites, there are pictures of them um, at baby showers or at weddings. And the, the way they build their business is by having these success stories. If you look at Match Group, which owns pretty much every major online dating brand other than Bumble, um, and they're a public company, or even if you look at Bumble, which is also a public company, and if you if you read their you know, their annual reports, and I'm probably, because I'm an ex-Fortune writer, I'm probably the only person in the dating space who is dorky enough to be reading the annual reports for these companies. Um, but let me just start with Bumble. Um, the There's only one reference to long-term relationships in Bumble's annual report. And it comes in the section titled Risks Related to Our Brand Products and Operations. And here's a quote from their Bumble's annual report. Any number of factors can negatively affect user retention, growth, and engagement. And one of them, quote, is if there is a decrease in user retention as a result of users finding meaningful relationships. So I think if you are using these dating apps with the goal of finding true love or finding a long-term relationship, you have to know that these these companies these are media companies. They are not they are not in the happily ever after business. They are in the business of selling subscriptions and selling advertising. And just like with Fortune magazine, just like with the Boston Globe, it is not in their best interest to bid farewell to their paying customers. They want you coming back and back for, you know, for more and more. So if you're using these apps to to find true love and you think that these apps want you to find true love, I can tell you that from a business standpoint, you are mistaken. What would you tell a person maybe re-entering the dating world or entering the dating world beyond just calling up the person they've had a crush on for eight months and haven't been... You know, well, I would start there. I, I start, would start, start there. there. I would be brave. Um, there is nothing more powerful than, you know, than taking that kind of a chance. And and oftentimes, like taking this kind of a chance will become the story um, that will will kind of become the glue of the relationship. I mean, I know so many couples who have these these wonderful stories about how they met. And somebody had to really take a chance in order to, to for it to happen. But the telling and retelling of these stories is really important to their relationship. It's important to though to their friends and family. But I do think people should take chances. We'll be back with more of our conversation after a quick break. The people I know who've had the best experiences as, as a, with da- online dating and app dating are people who maybe figured out a way to do it 10 minutes a night, that they can sort of filter through this based on knowing limitations, not assuming one extra hour is going to get them an extra hour shot at love. And, you know, I wouldn't go to a bar every night or a party every night or a blind date every night because that's exhausting. So the idea that I would spend two hours online every night on an app is just as weird. So is the answer to this a little bit of everything? 
Look, I am definitely not saying it is, it is impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible to find true love using dating apps. My point is that it's a highly inefficient use of your time and it's hard. It's much harder than finding love in the real world. And it's not a coincidence that these re online relationships fail at a higher rate. And it's because uh, people don't people don't trust each other. Um, there, there was a, a woman I interviewed for the book who told me that she she called online dating a doubters game. And the reason she said that is because she had so many, she had had experiences of so many men lying to her on dating apps, lying to them about whether they're married, lying about their intentions of wanting to hook up or a long-term relationship, um, lying about their job, their age, everything. So she started approaching first dates as kind of like a interview or like a cross-examination. And Obviously, that doesn't lead to a lot of second dates if you're trying to pick holes in their story. And she's actually engaged to somebody who she met through a mutual friend right now. And she told me that with that first date, there was none of this like, you know, cross-examination because she knew that her good friend would never, ever, ever, ever set her up with a guy who was unkind or untrustworthy. I think we can all say, go out into the real world, take risks. Ask, you know, we, we can't promise this for people, right? And I think that I understand why people return to it. I also understand why people, geographically speaking, might have different experiences in different places. The experience of of being on an app in New York is in Boston, and, and I don't think Boston is tiny by any means, but the way in which the city is set up is that often the person you see online on an app, you like are like, oh, I totally know that person. I mean, <laughs> or, to me, or, that, I that mean, is good. So that you, could change, you, I mean, too. I, I mean, Meredith, do you remember, Meredith, do you remember what Hinge used to be before it was bought by Match Group? Yes. 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 I, I mean, Hinge was the one exception, the one dating app, which I thought was a brilliant business model because it only connected you to people who you were you know, one or two degrees of separation from on Facebook, either f direct friends or friends of friends. So they were kind of within your professional space, you know, friend space, family space. So th there was there was a degree of accountability. And, I, and for a while before Hinge was bought by Match Group, they were touting the fact that this tiny dating app Hinge had the highest rate of, of mentions in the New York Times wedding section. Which, you know, it's not scientific, but to me, if what if this very small dating app is constantly getting mentioned as how couples met on the New York Times, you know, wedding section, it means something. But then Match Group bought them and they scrapped that whole business model. So now it's like, you know, really no different from Match or Tinder or any other any other app. But I mean, if there were an app that really connected you with people who are in your universe, so to speak, I think that would be awesome. But there, there really aren't right now. We've had multiple couples come out of the Love Letters column, including two marriages that came out of our comment section. Um, so the minute I feel safe having in-person events again in the New England area, I'll do that because, you know, I like to do matchmaking and I think a common shared interest of empathy and me and and my narcissism clearly is just the way to meet. No, you know, no, but, people but, like but, me, but, they'll probably but, like know, each other. But th this is why matchmaking works. It's because both parties are accountable to you. Not you're not a matchmaker, but but let's say you are a matchmaker. It works because they each each person trusts you, and they trust you, Meredith, not to set them up with somebody who is awful. Now you may not click romantically, or may not have chemistry, but there's a certain safety built in that you're like confident that 
you can explore the compatibility without feeling unsafe. And I think that this is why matchmaking works and this could be the way that your meetups could work. What are your thoughts about just sort of dating and app dating within the economy and how it's shaped by that? So, I mean, as a business journalist, it's clear to me that the the mindset of online commerce and online shopping has certainly kind of infected the world of online dating. Um, there's you, there's this like consumerist mindset that's been adopted by singles nowadays, whereby like there's always another hundred options out there and anything can be returned. And I think people are much more likely to kind of quit on a relationship because it is so similar to shopping. And the the experience of finding people online is so much like being on eBay and looking for an antique or something. And it's it, it, I, I don't think it's helpful because what, what happens is that you end up bailing on somebody who you might actually be compatible with if you actually knew that person well enough before the first date. But because you know nothing about that person before the first date, you're making instantaneous decisions based on small conversations, small behavioral ticks, so to speak. And you you don't have enough to go on. Thank you so much for talking to me about this. I think so many people are just on the fence about whether or not they should continue with this and whether they just haven't swiped that one last time to perfection. Um, And, you know, I think you make a case for certainly prioritizing the actual world we live in, especially when it's safe to be out there. Like, what a gift. Um, And for those who are still swiping to really give people a chance, I would think, like to really take a beat before moving on to the next phase. And I would say, and I don't know if you agree, but just like limiting the amount of time, because when you give those statistics, I just think, oh my God, all the TV I could be watching while people are swiping. <laughs> right. No, I, I I agree. Limiting, yeah, I mean, 20 hours a week is insane. But particularly women get 200 text messages a week, maybe more than that. And like, how are you supposed to make an informed decision when you get that many messages? Um, I mean, to me, it kind of, it makes the whole medium impossible to manage because there's no obvious way to sort through hundreds of of messages. This was lovely to talk about and to everyone dating. Good luck out there. Meredith, thanks for having me on. Okay, so that's a take. Real life is good. Apps, possibly not worth your energy, at least according to John. But I think you can tell, I don't necessarily agree which is okay. To me, this question is too nuanced for one broad answer. What I can say definitively is that 20 hours a week on an app, that is too much time. That dilutes any experience you might have on those apps. Also, wouldn't it be nice to spend, I don't know, 16 of those hours with friends, hobbies, people you know you like? I think that's okay. Maybe John's take will help you delete that app. Maybe it'll make you consider moderation. Regardless, something to think about. In the meantime, if you have a dating quandary, including a question about dating fatigue, send your love and relationship problems to the Love Letters advice column at loveletters@boston.com. I take all questions. Let's get into it.
Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Caitlin Harrop, Amy Padula, and Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith does our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. And if you like the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can always send us a letter. We are an advice column to loveletters at boston.com. We're online at loveletters.show. Our next season is all about making big changes in romantic relationships. Stay tuned. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. Thank you.